Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? In the name of Jesus, amen. And he will come again to judge the quick and the dead. That's how we used to say it, the quick and the dead. Uh, I, I stumble over that uh, to this day when one of the shut-ins I visit um, says, the quick and the dead, along with Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit when we say, uh, we say the creed before communion. Uh, the quick and the dead. I, I said it that way myself up until about, I think it was about 1983, when, uh, when St. Michael's Lutheran Church traded in uh, the old red hymnals for the new ones, and along with uh, some more hymns uh, came a new word, the living, instead of the quick. Uh, before that, it was quick. And of course, before 1983, I didn't quite understand all the, the nuances of the, the King James English, and Jesus come to judge the quick uh, made me somehow think that being uh, a fast and agile <laughs> was an important part of being uh, a Christian. Um, and it made sense further because I figured that that part, the quick and the dead, uh, came as part of the, the scary part of the creed. You know, when Jesus comes to judge him. Uh, the last judgment and all the all the, the subsequent stuff that we hear in the readings, like the ones we've heard uh, these last weeks, and especially even today, about eternal punishment and outer darkness and uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth and all that sort of stuff. So I figured being quick would be important then, maybe to, to outrun the fire and brimstone or that roaring lion or those nasty immortal worms that if I wasn't quick enough would wiggle their way into something. <laughs> The quick and the dead. I've learned some things since 1983. <laughs> I actually have, yeah. Uh, one of them is that uh, quick is just an old word for, for living like we say it now. I, I've also learned to be uh, significantly less concerned about uh, the last judgment, about Jesus come a judging. The first learning, I think, is a good thing, although I'd be fine if we had stuck with quick and ghosts. I can tell you why at a different time, but I'm glad I learned the, the nuance of the language. But the second learning, uh, to not be so concerned about Jesus come a judge, and I'm not exactly sure that that is a, a good thing. But you see, the reason I got less concerned about Jesus come a judging was that fairly soon after 1983, probably 85, 86, I'm guessing, usually happens around, uh, around 12 or 13. It was then that I stopped being so concerned about Jesus' judgment because I started getting a lot more concerned about everyone else's judgment. Just about the time that the blue hymnals got ushered into the pews, I got ushered into the world where I live now and where you live as well which is to say a place where most of us, most of the time, are a lot more concerned about, a lot more anxious about, scared of the everyday concrete judgments that come from one another than we are about the abstract 
out there judgment of Jesus. Maybe I can put it this way. It's hard to be concerned about the quick and the dead judgment day when your every day is a judgment day. You've got to lack the bandwidth to be super concerned about standing before the big J judge then when right now you're standing before a thousand little J judges. In fact, Christians are always asking, like, when's the judgment day? Uh, a fine answer might be, well, how about Monday? Monday's a good judgment day because that's the day that all judging eyes on me, I stand before the annual performance review board awaiting their judgment. Or if Monday doesn't work, maybe Tuesday would be a good judgment day because that's the day you stand uh, with test scores in hand before the college admissions judges. Or if Tuesday doesn't work, maybe Wednesday will work for a judgment day when the billionth judge asks you for the billionth time what you do for a living when you know it's much more than a simple question. Or Thursday when judge mom or dad or wife or husband or child once again delivers their verdict on whether you're up to snuff as a kid, a spouse, or a parent. Or if that doesn't work, how about Friday when you step on the scale or open up Facebook so you can be judged too fat, too skinny, or too irrelevant? Or Saturday, best day, nothing else to do. How about look back on all your boneheaded decisions, stand before the toughest judge of all, you, your own judge, and deliver the verdict once again, I'm a loser. When's your judgment day? Most any day that ends in Y. <laughs> Everything evaluated every day. Every day the verdict's rolling in. It's what we do, the water we swim in. You can maybe see what I mean by saying it's hard. <laughs> I have the bandwidth be concerned about this quick in the day, big J judgment day, when you got a thousand little judges running around everywhere you look. Well, maybe Jesus will help. <laughs> he tells us a story today. It's not technically a parable, because I guess he doesn't call it that. So a story. Image. Uh, it's about the big J judgment day, and it is quite the image. It's quite the, quite the scene. Jesus uh, coming to judge the quick and the dead uh, on his throne, attendant angels, all of that stuff to, to separate to separate the quick and the dead as a, a shepherd separates the, the sheep and the goats. It's quite a scene, and it's quite a scene that might have us asking ourselves, now what in the world does a scene like that about the big J judgment day have to say to those swim in the little j judgments every day. In one way to look at it, you might say, well, it kind of comes like a, it kind of comes like a two by four, upside the head. <laughs> kind of says like, you think you have worries? <laughs> You're worried about those jokers judging the size of your bank account or the width of your rear end? I'll give you something to worry about. <laughs> How about worrying about the big judge Jesus coming? And since it looks like he's going to judge you on the basis of how well you've fed the hungry and clothed the naked and visited the imprisoned and welcomed the foreigner, well, you better be about that because if you're not, there's going to be hell to pay. I suppose you could hear the story like that. But that's not why Jesus is telling the story. As if to rid you of your many little worries by giving you one big worry <laughs> to think about. And the reason I say that is because of those wonderful sheep. Those wonderful, beautiful sheep. Those 
Sheep on the, on the right hand, those, those pious sheep, those charitable sheep. Look at those sheep, the ones who, who feed and clothe and visit and welcome. Dear God, make us like those sheep. Inspire in us uh, the fire, light, uh, kindle within us, whatever it is that would lead us to be as those sheep, act as those sheep. Do that. But don't just do that. Also notice, notice that these sheep, whatever else they might be doing, uh, don't seem to be worried about very much. Notice, notice why these sheep do all these very, very commendable, commendable things that they do. And ask yourself, well, how in the world they get that way? And if you do that, if you ask yourself, now, why did they do these things? Whatever you come, with, come up with, it cannot be because they worried that if they didn't, there'd be hell to pay. Jesus says to them, come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you for before the foundation of the world, for you fed and clothed and welcomed and visited. And notice what the sheep did not say. The sheep did not say, oh, right, <laughs> that's what we figured. We knew we better do that stuff, because if we didn't, there'd be hell to pay. And so we helped all those losers, because once, a lot, once upon a time, we heard a helpful sermon about how when you help a loser, you score points with Jesus. They did not say that. (laughs) Jesus says, come, you blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world, for you fed and clothed and welcomed and visited. And the sheep then more or less say what my kids say when I say something that catches them off guard. They say, wait, what? They always do that. They're usually not listening until we tell them something they don't want to hear or that's off guard and we say, wait, what? (laughs) That's what these sheep say. They say, what? What are you talking about? They don't even notice. In other words, whatever it was that made those wonderful sheep act so wonderfully, it had zero, zero to do with worrying about a big J judge come a judging. For that matter, it had nothing at all to do, from what I can tell, even with impressing some little L judges. In fact, those sheep don't seem worried about much of anything at all. Which, as a guy who is a people, and who lives amongst a people, who do worry about the judges, the little J judges mostly, but maybe the big one too, As judgment junkies really concerned about impressing the judges, worry-free sheep become really interesting. Really interesting as if to say, you know, whatever they're drinking, give me some. (laughs) Whatever that makes them that way, give me some. Well, here's some. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come, you blessed by my Father, not pick up your paycheck. Not not come, you blessed of my Father, for you have banked enough uh, of visits and feedings. Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit. Who inherits? Children. Who, who gets in on an inheritance? Members of the family get in on an inheritance, and if your dad's the king... The inheritance is the kingdom. Why are those sheep so darn worry-free? Because those sheep are children of a king. 
Why are these sheep so little concerned with impressing judges, bigger or little, so little concerned, in fact, with scoring points with anyone that they are actually have their eyes opened to feed and to hunger and to clothe and to visit? Because they're children of the king. In fact, those ones that they serve, who are they? If you're listening close, you put all this together. What does Jesus say about them? He says, for what you did to the least of these, my brothers. Now put this together. If the sheep, if you are a child, if Jesus is the son, and those least are his brothers, you know what that makes those least to you? Brothers? (laughs) They feed them and visit them and, and, and welcome them and give them drink and clothe them because they are members of the family, yes. But even more important than that, why are they worry free about the whole thing? Because they're children of the king. Because they're members of a royal family. Because they're in the will. This story is not here to scare us. It's not here to give a worried, anxious people, worried and anxious and scared about a thousand little J judges, one big J judge to worry about instead. Like I said, it cannot be about that. Because the sheep in the story don't do what they do because they're scared. They do it because they're children. They do it because they're in the will. And so if it's not there to to scare you, to give you one more judge to be anxious about, then why? Well, it's there to give you the final judgment ahead of time. That scary part of the creed, the the, the quick are, are judged. You don't have to wait for it. Stories like this one from Jesus give you the verdict ahead of time, and your verdict is beloved child of God. You're a member of the family. You're in the will, and your father is the king. That's the final judgment, and your sentence is eternal life. (laughs) That's what this is all about. This story, yes, and this, as in everything we do here every single week. My little montage thing there about Judgment Day is every day that ends in Y. You probably noticed that I left out Sunday, and that is definitely not because the little L judges take Sundays off. They don't, unfortunately. But it's because Sunday is the Lord's Day. Sunday's the day we do what we're doing right now. Because Sunday is the big J Judgment Day ahead of time. When a bunch of people who do idiotic things and internalize crushing anxieties trying to please all those little L judges gather here to hear the big J judge ahead of time. We started at the font so you can hear the verdict made over you at your baptism. Child of God. Repeat it again at the absolution. You are forgiven full and free. You'll come to the Lord's table, the table of the king, to receive what we call the will, the, the, the blood of the New Testament. New Testament as in last will and testament, so as to say everyone who eats from this table is in the will. You come here to hear the verdict rendered before the foundation of the world. The verdict sealed with the great Father, forgive them, and it is finished on the cross. The verdict broadcast by the apostles, after hearing it from risen lips and then again and again and again and again down until right now, the verdict which is child, forgiven, graced, filled, blessed, kept, smiled upon, and peaced. 
All those little L judges are not going away anytime soon. And that stinks. But neither is the big J judge. And that's good news. No matter how quick you are, it's good news that the big J judge is your brother and your savior and your king, and he gets the last word. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.